Hello and welcome to Being Crisis Prepared, the operational resilience podcast from Inveroy Crisis Management. And today I'm joined by David Payne, our ops manager up till last month and our lead person for ISO 22301 accreditation and continuing with that journey. And I've invited David to join us today just to talk about the learnings that we've had through going through the ISO process and also perhaps to put a bit of flesh on the benefits of the ISO process and the things that we've learned that, if you like, the top tips along the way that David would be able to share with us. Just so that we put this into context, in case you're joining us later in the day, we're also doing this a week after Her Majesty the Queen died and the disruption to uh, business life that that has caused and the idea of mass event at short notice. We're doing this at the time a week after Russia has mobilized 300,000 reservists to fight in Ukraine. And we're doing it on the Monday after the pound has dropped 10 percent in value to be something around the 103 to the pound to the dollar ratio. So some significant operational resilience issues going on in the world as we speak. And therefore, the value of having a robust business continuity management system perhaps couldn't be more important than it is uh, as we speak. So with that as context, um, David, welcome to Being Crisis Prepared. Great Thanks to have you. you on this today. And um, firstly, ISO and uh, the, the BCMS version of it. I wonder if you can just introduce us, our listeners to it in case they're not aware uh, of what it is. Certainly. Yeah, thanks very much indeed, and thanks for inviting me on. The ISO 22301 2019 version, as we're talking about this morning, it is the international standard, effectively, for it's titled Security and Resilience, and but it's specifically about the business continuity management system and the requirements thereof. And just a quote from the ISO itself, basically, it is published by the International Organization for Standardization, and what it does, it specifies the requirements to plan, establish, implement, operate, monitor, review, maintain, and importantly, to continually improve a documented management system to be able to protect against, reduce the likelihood of occurrence, prepare for, respond to, recover uh, any disruptive events when they arise. And it is actually intended to be applicable to all organizations or parts of it. It doesn't have to be the whole organization because you can specify different parts of it. Um, and that's regardless of the type, the size um, or the nature of the organization. So it is a, an, an all encompassing standard. Okay, and, and we achieved certification last year. We've just gone through the annual audit this year. Inveroy is a company of roughly 15 full time staff. So what in any book that would count it as small anything under 50 is is probably even micro so it we've done it does that mean that it's suitable for all companies what what would your experience say I would say that, that yes, it is. It's applicable for anybody. It could be applicable for a one-man band, but it's basically looking to try to make sure that you have the processes in place and the management structure. And that management structure will differ depending on the size of your organization. So it could be from a one-man band all the way up to a multi-million or billion-dollar organization. It could it would equally apply, just in a different way. It's how you apply the standard more than anything else. And there will be elements of it that aren't applicable to you if you if you're small. And equally, there'll be a, there could be elements of a large company that aren't applicable because of the nature of your business. So it's about it's about taking a common sense approach really to implementing it. 
And I know when I've looked at this, when I when we first started out and we were a two or three person company you know, that I felt wasn't appropriate to jump through the hoops involved with the accreditation process. So now that we we've done it, are there a couple of benefits that, that you think that not just Inveroy, but any company would benefit from that? You know, OK, there's the idea of I've got a business continuity plan. That's it. Ah, now I've got a business continuity management system. And, mm. and you know, there is a big difference in effort between the two. But what would you say are the benefits of the management system? Well, I would say that initially, yeah, that BCP, the business continuity plan, certainly forms part of your management system, which is that they're all encompassing. It's like the umbrella that sits over the top of it. But the main benefits really are it's confirmation to yourself in that you ha- you are a resilient organization. It's allowing you to plan for the future so that you as a company can, can ride out disruptive events, hopefully, or be best prepared to be able to do that. But it's about continually improving. If you can improve, if you can apply the standard, the standard is very much about how do you get better uh, and how do you continuously improve your system um, so that you identify when things change, you identify when legislation changes, you, you are aware of it. But if you are and having the standard, it's like a badge of honor as well. So if you can prove internally that you are resilient and you can be happy to yourself that you're resilient, you can demonstrate to clients or potential clients that you, you're a, a resilient organization yourselves. And we all know that with due diligence going on these days, there's more and more checks being done. Um, so if you can say, well, I'm ISO 22301 certified, it means that somebody else externally has done the, done the check and the other company or your potential client could be happy with, with the service you're going to provide and you're not going to be a vulnerability to that potential client. For us as well, it's about practicing what we preach. So um, a lot of the services, or all the services we apply really are ISO aligned in terms of business continuity plans, but actually being able to say as well that we've gone through this, we've done it, and we can make it uh, better for all our clients. So it improves the service that we offer to clients. So it, from, from ourselves, it's been really, really useful. Yeah, and I think Obviously, David, you shared with me the whole process because one of the requirements is that there is leadership involved in the BCMS throughout. So one of the things that struck me was the the additional focus on not just the risks to the business, but the opportunities to the business. Could you just talk through how we we looked at that and and the impact that our risk and opportunities matrix has, has provided for us? Yeah, certainly. One of the things that we we did, and I think contrary to the, the the business continuity good practice guidelines the, which talk about risks the iso standard talks about risks and opportunities so what we did as part of our process was we would we just sort of tightened up a little bit about looking at risks and saying where would that possibly provide us with an opportunity so where can you capitalize upon what might be a risk so we identified that travel risks were a, a key risk for us but the opportunity there was to make sure that we can improve our system that everybody we can offer some extra training to our staff so we identify not just the mitigations and the possible action that we can take to reduce the risk but how can we improve as a result so we've improved both the risk and the opportunity and we track it we log it and we put it into our overall management system to make sure that that identification is followed through to completion and that i think has been a really good one because we can come up with lots of ideas for what might we do but some of the ideas can get lost in discussion at least now we have a system that we can track those ideas and bring them through to fruition and i think from a from a company perspective that giving people extra confidence that when they travel not only is there someone there is the duty manager to whom you can report in to say you know, at the airport you know, picked up at the hotel etc but there is full training 
available for those that need hostile environment training or whatever the appropriate measure is that mm. the traveler knows that we now have their back means that they are you know, morale is improved and retention is improved because we take it seriously because it was one of the risks that we identified and we've done something about it and so you know that i think slightly gray area on how do you measure that increased confidence that you know, oh hang on a second you're asking me to travel to country x how what you what's the system how much do i feel sufficiently confident that i'm willing to do it if if there is a good system there more people are willing to do it they feel more confident and and it's less of an imposition so it, it is what's your return on investment sometimes it's difficult to measure but that general feeling of yeah this is this feels right for a traveler is important and i'm sure there are lots Agreed. of people that have traveled in that regard and gone oh, not really sure they're <laughs> sending me off somewhere and is there other than just an insurance plan, is there actually a plan to get me out of here? And I know we've run a couple of exercises for that as well, which brings me on to, um, you know, is that something that uh, you has, has borne fruit? Um, what, what do you think about the oh, exercising regime part I think of the, ISO? The training and exercise requirement for it is, is excellent. And I think that's probably where we've had significant benefit. And I think it's not just benefit to us, it's benefit to the families of those who are traveling. It gives confidence that the families are going to be included within that discussion because we've run a number of different exercises internally and involving clients where we've identified a number of different points that will the how you apply your travel system will all be slightly different based on the country you're traveling to and the in the, no one incident is going to be exactly the same as another and every single exercise that we've run we've identified a point for example next of kin notification who does it how do we do that how do we bring our insurance on that how does our insurance integrate or link in with the insurance of a client or the, the services that a client will provide we've so we've sort of probed and we've used the exercises to probe the boundaries of what might happen and we've learned a lot as a result that will now help us to support our people overseas more quickly and more efficiently if something does go wrong but as you say equally it gives them the confidence that the team behind them has got their back because they know how we're doing it but the system and that that management system itself and the way that things are different from with the iso because most people would say well we all gonna we we exercise anyway well why why is iso different it's because the iso standard actually then makes you document your actions and how you could improve and it makes you track them through to completion it brings the management team involved it brings every all the staff involved because there's a big communication element to ISO as well. So by following through this the system, actually you you are probably doing things that you would do anyway, but you're tightening it up to make the improvements better. And I think most people listening to to this podcast would probably recognise, maybe not in their companies, maybe in a previous company they've worked for, but you can normally tell a good company from an average company from a bad company on their way that when you run an exercise, if you do a re- a sequence of exercises do the same points come up over and over and over again you know i have they been closed out and embedded so that it's not just identified it's actually the lesson is learned um and and if iso helps that by holding your you to account to say you know, how can you document and demonstrate and prove that mm. this is actually being done as opposed to it's sat on an action register for 12 months, 24 months, you know, and there was mm. the exercise director wrote the report, but no one actually paid any attention to it. 
you know, that sort of malaise, if it, if it helps you get it past that, then that's that's adding value, isn't I, it? I, yeah, absolutely. And I think there will be a lot of people out listening to this who are who are thinking, yeah, we've we've done this, and they can all identify slightly with a yeah, we wrote a report and it disappeared into SharePoint somewhere, and it was never really followed through. But you have to be able to prove it because when the auditor comes in, he will ask and say, well, what did you do? It can you show me the process that you follow? And I think that's one of the one of the things that we learned was the the being able to demonstrate. Uh, and to prove it to somebody who only sees your organization for one or two days a year, having it into the, well, we spoke about it in a morning meeting or we, we, we've had a conversation about it. It doesn't quite cut it when it comes to the ISO side of things. You have to be able to prove it to somebody externally. that That's what you've done. So, again, that's what I mean about tightening up the system, because whatever system you use and it doesn't the, the, there is no one single right answer to how this to how to implement the standard it's just about having a system whatever that may be and a system that suits your organization the best without creating hoops to jump through because it's not meant to be that it's not meant to be a hoop jumping system it's, it is about taking a sensible approach to applying a standard for the right reasons and it's about how can you be better so yeah if your exercise process leads you to a number of different actions that you track somehow using whatever system you do you bring it in for the benefit of everybody and then you go back and check it 12 months later to see if it's still applicable the last bit i just wanted to to talk about with iso uh, again some an area that perhaps people don't touch on that regularly is the audit function and the internal mm. audit that that you took yourself through with one of our internal auditors and whether there's benefit in that and it's an important step or whether it's it's something that you've learned next time we might not do what do you think there is there's huge benefit to the internal audit process and it, but it depends on how you do it i think if you treat it as a hoop to jump through where you do the internal audit yourself and you're too close to the subject you're always going to say yes we do it but it's about trying to get somebody else in to have a look at it and say do you really do that um, and especially if they know what they're looking for somebody who's got a lead auditor or some other sort of audit function is ideal doesn't have to be but somebody who's not connected to your initial delivery and your planning of your bcms who can actually say prove it show me and another pair of eyes who can make a suggestion on well have you thought about doing it this way or that way and we had some recommendations that came in from our auditor who suggested about just giving opportunities about where we put our policy do we put it in our bcs manual or don't we put it in our bcs manual and it was a discussion that point that you can have you can bounce around the pros and cons and the recommendation was was speak to the auditor speak to the external auditor when they come in and seek advice so again it's all about that improvement but yeah internal auditing certainly really really useful and then the one thing I would I also add into that is that I think that for anybody coming and embarking on this to start with, it can be quite daunting because the ISO standard uh, 21, if memory serves, 21 page document, it's not exactly what you call a bedtime read. There are numerous different points that on first flicking through it, it can be quite daunting. You think, wow, there's a lot of hoops to jump through as you approach it as a with a slightly different mindset of um, this is for the benefit of the company and it is on a continual improvement basis then you will be surprised just how many of the processes and how many of the, the standards or how much of the standards you already meet I would imagine if you already have a business continuity plan you might need to tweak it you might need to change it slightly we did for the benefit of improvement and continuous improvement okay well thank you for for taking us through ISO and um, I do look at the world through my operational resilience lens at the moment. And you know, the other thing that we're living through is obviously the cost of living crisis. And 
companies struggling with energy bills, families struggling with energy bills, and and that whole risk matrix and having a plan and having some form of horizon scanning that says what if, whether it be what if the dollar price changes, what if the heating price, you know, it it doesn't need to take long. But having a system to plug these things into, whether you're a pub chain, a couple of restaurants, a dry cleaners, whatever it might be, to sit down with a brew and a piece of paper and a pen or a you know, laptop screen or a PowerPoint slide or whatever and say, what is it that you, we could fall foul of and then document it mm. just makes sense at the moment, doesn't it? it- it does very much so. And just one of the things that, that we really learned from, and it was a really interesting exercise, because I remember you and I having this very conversation 12, 18 months ago, was the internal and external issues. What's a, what's applicable to the business? And it's, it is, as you say, it's about wrapping a wet towel around your head, grab a coffee and just sit down with a notebook and say, what is important to us as, an, as a business? And it's things that you have probably thought about repeatedly but maybe not actually committed to paper and then it's identifying those issues and what are you going to do about it how can you change your system how can you change your approach to reflect that issue is there a specific piece of legislation that you need to track does that is that a risk Um, is it something you need to add to your risk register it's all linked in together but until you do take the time to implement the standard some of these issues you might miss the first time you do it is probably going to be you might have a little a little bit of extra work to do. And I'm, I've no doubt that for us as a company, our pendulum swung towards doing too much uh, initially. Over the last 12 months or so, that pendulum can swing back into, oh, we don't really need to do that now. Uh, it's We can tweak it, we can we can tailor it slightly to make sure that it's not as work intensive as, an, uh, as it possibly could be uh, initially. But I would say to anybody else who is thinking about going through this, maybe you want to speak to somebody then maybe speak to somebody who's been through it. Speak to somebody who's been through the process. Ask for a little bit of advice. It might cost you a little bit um, unless you can find a friendly person to come and talk to. But equally, it might save you time doing things that you don't necessarily need to do because it's very easy to do too much. Brilliant. And, and on that note, it's very easy to do too much. I'm conscious we might be overstaying our welcome on the podcast. <laughs> so we'll end it there. David, thank you very much indeed for your time uh, today. And congratulations on achieving the ISO standard last year and uh, maintaining that standard through this year with the external audit. No opportunities for improvement, no minor nonconformities, no major nonconformities, a complete um, gold star standard performance. So thanks for that. And thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks, Matthew, and thanks for having me on.